Welcome back to the KPL Podcast. I'm your host, Jagisha. Listeners, this week on the podcast, I have bestselling author Joshua Winning here to talk about his latest novel, Burn the Negative. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. So tell us about Burn the Negative. What is this book about? It's about a journalist called Laura Warren, and she is sent to Los Angeles to visit the uh, the set of a horror streaming series called It Feeds. And on the way there, she discovers that the series is actually a remake of the cursed 90s horror film that Laura starred in as a child. And when she arrives on set, everything just goes a bit uh, chaotic, <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> And uh, so how did you conceive of this idea? It started out as just wanting to write a story about a psychic and a journalist Mm -hmm. um, sort of solving mysteries. So for me, the psychic actually came first. Um, She was inspired by, kind of partially inspired by the real life parapsychologist Lorraine Warren, Mm -hmm. uh, who was quite famous for investigating cases like the Amityville Horror. She came to Bawdy Rectory in the UK she uh, investigated the cases that formed the Conjuring movies and meeting her was just so interesting because she she so truly believed in the paranormal. She believed in ghosts. She believed in possessions. And that just really stayed with me. So when I was sort of thinking about how I would write a psychic, I I kind of really liked the idea of a psychic who actually was sort of a skeptic who doesn't do all the things that you would expect a psychic to do from watching, you know, films like Poltergeist um, or, you know, Insidious, where the psychic is sort of there to to sort of comfort and nurture and and solve this mystery sort of for you, essentially. So I love the idea of, of subverting that trope and then pairing her with a journalist who isn't all that they seem and who isn't sure if the curse suppose a curse is real or not and so I want to just play around with that dynamic basically Mm -hmm. yeah I think this was a lot of fun and I was creeped out a lot (laughs) so good (laughs) so I had goosebumps uh, as I'm reading the guest house is the movie that Laura was originally in as a child and then they're going to remake it into the it feeds is I guess a, a series for Netflix and it's it's considered that this film is haunted, I guess, is the word for it. Was this based on, or are there real movies that are reputed to be haunted? I know The Exorcist has been rep- uh, considered haunted. Oh, yeah. Something really quite weird happened with The Exorcist, which was the, the set burnt down everything apart from Reagan's bedroom, mm-hmm. which was preserved perfectly, uh, you know, amid this destruction. So, yeah, that's kind of spooky. Um, yeah, there's there's a, like a long storied history of so-called movie curses, particularly around the horror genre, mm-hmm. which is sort of interesting because things go wrong on all kinds of different movie productions, not just horror. You know, there's action films where stunts go wrong and, um, you know, comedies where things go wrong. But for some reason, it's the horror films that get this cursed film label. Um, so I kind of wanted to sort of investigate that with this book and just sort of figure out what it is that that is so compelling that people are fascinated by these stories like I'm also fascinated by these stories 
but what is it that people get from that and and how what's it like if you're the subject of that mythology essentially yeah and it's fascinating because and i especially with the exorcist i'm fascinated because it actually was uh I guess the actual haunting happened here in St. Louis, which is where we're at here. So I think a lot of people are fascinated just based on that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes, apparently the house is still preserved from what I understand, the actual house. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Now, one of the other themes is uh, in your book is the price of fame. Uh, so what does fame mean to you? And would you want to be a famous movie star if given the choice? I honestly can't think of anything worse. I would <laughs> hate it. <laughs> um, I mean, in my day job, I'm, I'm a film journalist. So I've seen, uh, you know, all kinds of sides of what it's like to be sort of a famous actor. I've been to press junkets where there are sort of 30 journalists in a room waiting to interview that one Hollywood star. Just that, that the stress of that attention must be enormous. And I think that it must take such a strong sort of mental fortitude to be able to deal with that and and sort of not get swept into this sort of circus I guess that is being famous I just I I don't think that I would be able to handle it <laughs> oh yeah definitely I feel like you have to be on all the time and it's uh anytime you step out the door you got to be you know in a way performing <laughs> yeah totally and and if you're not on I think there's that Taylor Swift song um, where she talks about what it would be like if she was a man and, and how her behavior would be completely differently interpreted. And I think that's probably true for a lot of things in terms of being famous. So one of the questions that I was given, this is a suggested interview question that I was given, and I was a little disturbed by it that your publisher wanted, gave me this question, but it was, which of the eight, the guest house debts, would you choose for yourself if you had to pick one and why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of nervous about what my publisher had planned for me yes. asking questions <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think the the least horrifying one from my perspective is the bath. Um, I'm someone who very much enjoys a bath. It's sort of like a place of solitude. So if I had to, if I was really pushed to choose any of the deaths in the guest house, it would probably have to be the bath. How about you? none of those i'm a big fraidy cat so i'd say in my sleep a heart attack <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice and quick <laughs> yes nice and quick don't know about it yeah. i was asleep <laughs> just didn't wake up <laughs> yeah very wise <laughs> <laughs> now uh did you have a favorite scene uh that to to write i loved the scene where laura first goes to the guest house set um, you know, she goes to the Universal Studios lot. She goes into stage five. It's this enormous warehouse. And within the warehouse, the film production have built a complete guest house, you know, a hotel in the middle of this warehouse. Um, and that is something I've kind of experienced as a film journalist. I've been very lucky to visit quite a few film sets. And it's always really strange feeling of going into this dark space, often from a very bright day outside. And when you get inside, there's all these people doing their jobs. They're all milling around like sea creatures. And then you've got this sort of artificial creation that looks like it could be 
you know, just a nice house on the street, but for some reason it's in this warehouse, kind of like those alien spaceships at the end of Independence Day where they're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of, for me, that scene is interesting because it's Laura being confronted with her past in a very literal sense. It's the same soundstage that she worked on as a child. It's almost the same guest house that um, was that she worked on uh, when she was in the film. So it was fun playing around with the setting and Laura's internal struggle. Yeah, you know, I find Laura to be fascinating because there's this interesting dichotomy with her. On the one hand, she doesn't quite know what's happening to her and she blacks out. And then the other hand, she's this go-getter, like, okay, someone's messing with me. I need to go get them. And so could you talk a little bit about Laura? Yeah, she she is sort of like a, a go-getter. Like she's not going to be messed around. I I liked, I, I love final girls as sort of a thing in in horror as like a trope. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to to play around with that and sort of question is she a final girl you know she was part of this cursed film she was the last one standing does that make her a final girl um and then she's also a journalist so she's someone who is naturally curious perhaps um wants to get to the bottom of things um but she's also sort of like she's almost a physical embodiment of remake culture as well so there's especially in horror there's this great grand tradition of remaking films over and over and over again mm-hmm. the same properties rear their heads over and over again and I kind of wanted to look at how a person could remake themselves the way that Laura has mm-hmm. and if it actually is possible to start over again or if you're always under all those layers going to be the person you were before yeah that is yeah that's an interesting question and yeah, it's like, can you really change your spots? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I think people can change, but they're probably working within um, limited parameters, maybe. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's yeah. only so much you can do. Yes, true. What are some of your favorite horror films and how would you compare it to The Guest House? <laughs> I'm like a massive 90s horror fan. So mm-hmm. I, my window into horror was the Scream films and that opened up all those great franchises um like friday the 13th and a nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. i think probably one of my absolute favorites is Candyman, mm-hmm. the the film starring tony todd as the Candyman, and you've got virginia madsen as a, a student of urban legends who gets drawn into the myth of the Candyman. and i was really thinking about that film when i was writing burn the negative because mm-hmm. i think that it has such a it's such a classy horror film, you know, it's a grown-ups horror film. It's it's really interrogating some really interesting, important issues while also scaring you to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this I was, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Scream sort of franchise. Although I tend to love the first three films and then all the all the other stuff that's followed, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I get that, yeah. I think they probably peaked with two and then three was fun. I think four is maybe like a bit of an underdog. Mm-hmm. But, Not bad. Um, I liked I liked the other casting. Yeah. yeah, and I thought the twist for Scream Four was actually spectacular and really still relevant mm-hmm. today. So that one kind of holds up for me. So now, some of the spookier scenes in your book uh, are they based on something from real life or from horror films? 
there there are lots of easter eggs in the book there are so many little shout outs to other horror mm. films mm-hmm. um i would love i would love to know if somebody can unearth the the reference to i know what you did last summer because that's hidden away in there quite um sort of you know it's just hidden away in there for those who can find it um and then in terms of real life like yeah this this book is very much inspired by my experiences as a film journalist there are there are sets that i've been to that are similar to the guest house um you know i I know what it's like to be like laura to go to la to go to these studios and take a peek behind the curtain and kind of get a little idea of what's actually going on in there Mm -hmm. yeah now if you were to cast uh laura amy and the others and needleman would uh do you have particular actors you would want to play them I think the Needleman, I love Doug Jones. He's a great character actor who um, he played, uh, what's his name? Billy. Is it Billy in uh, Hocus Pocus? He played the the fish man in The Shape of Water. He played the other fish man in Hellboy. He's such a great physical creature actor. So if he wanted to be the Needleman, I would be totally up for that. Um Laura, I kind of like the idea of somebody like Lena Dunham. I know it's like kind of a bit left field, but mm-hmm. I think she, I'd love to see her doing horror. She was great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where she played a cultist, very creepy. Um, I think she'd be quite an interesting lead for this kind of story. Okay. Yeah. And then Beverly would definitely be Winona Ryder, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She has to be. <laughs> So what's your writing process like? And is that different from, I know you also write for publications. So I imagine it's very, is it very different in terms of how you go about it? Oh, I think it, the discipline is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that journalism really helped me to, the thing with journalism is if you're commissioning somebody to write something for you, every single word on the page has to earn its place because you are literally paying that person by the word. Mm-hmm. So don't waste any words. And I really try to take that philosophy to my fiction writing. Um, you know, don't mess around, just get into story, make it fly. Um, my process is quite haphazard. <laughs> I try to I try to plot. I'm kind of a mix between a plotter and a discovery writer, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I plot to a to a point and then I'll have gaps that I'm allowed to sort of just go with the flow and, and see what happens. So yeah, it's it's a mix. It's a mix. It, I've not quite figured out the the perfect alchemy yet, but maybe one day. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's probably different for every book, and it might be just like it's like a discovery of the process too for every book, I imagine. Yeah. There's um there's a great story that Jane Goldman tells. She's she's a screenwriter. She wrote Kick Ass and uh some of the X-Men films. And she went to lunch with Neil Gaiman, who's a fantasy, British fantasy author. Mm-hmm. And he said he was writing American Gods, I think. And he said to her, I've done it. I finally figured out how you write a book. And she kind of like shook her head and said, no, you figured out how to write this book. Mm-hmm. And that always stays with me because every book is different and has its own challenges. And um, yeah, you never quite figure it out, I don't think, until it's the deadline rears its head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So what do you want uh, or what do you most want readers to take away from Burn the Negative? I would hope that they get a chill or two. Uh, I kind of hope that they just feel like they've been dragged into this sort of fast-paced, breakneck mystery horror where anything could happen. Um, and I kind of kind of hope they don't see the twist coming. Mm-hmm. So, well, I didn't. I can tell you that. <laughs> so- oh, cool. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Wait. <laughs> so yeah, my surprise. Brilliant. So uh, what's next? Are you already on to another book? Yeah, I'm on deadline right now with my next book for Putnam. It's another horror novel. It's still kind of movie influenced. It's not quite as on the nose as Burn the Negative. It, it's more drawing. It's drawing from a different pool, I would say. Um, and that should be out next summer. So if you enjoyed by the negative, you might enjoy the next one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, last question is, uh, what are you reading or what do you recommend we read? I'm currently reading the new Riley Sega, which I love. Um, yes. The only one left. Yes. That was really the only one left. Thank you. Yeah. I have, I'm halfway through and I have absolutely no idea where it's going to go. And I'm really excited to find out. <laughs> There's a lot of twists. That's all I could tell you. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I've listened to a few interviews with him and he's like, yep, there are lots of twists. And I'm like, what's going to happen? I have no idea. Um, I also really loved Maeve Fly by CJ Lead, mm-hmm. which is sort of like a really quite a grisly horror story, but it's fantastic. I love, I love the premise. It's about a, a theme park princess who goes on a killing spree. It's just brilliant. Ooh. Um, it's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like she sold it as like the American Psycho for women. Um, <laughs> if you know, American Psycho can be for women as well, but this is like from a female perspective, I guess. Um, so yeah, those are the two the two things I'm I'm really loving at the moment. Very nice. I'll have to check out this. Uh, what was it? The Mayfly. Mave. Um, oh, the Mave cover. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Mayfly. Okay, I will have to check yeah. that one out. <laughs> yeah, cool. It's really different, really grisly, but just absolutely riveting and so well written. Well, thank you so much for your time. And listeners, Burn the Negative is available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. If you're here for the podcast challenge for summer reading, the code word is community. Once again, the code word is community. Thank you for listening. That's our show this week. We'll be back next week with Murray Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray, and they'll be discussing their latest novel, The First Ladies.